Damo, you big sweet tooth. Yes, MP, you chocoholic. So naughty but nice, we're a hit at the Wellness Summit and I want more. Well, how does 20 recipes in their free ebook Heavenly Healthy Desserts sound, MP? Jeepers, Damo, I'm loving that. Or you can hop on down to their brand new cafe, Selection Cafe in South Melbourne and receive 10% off your favourite healthy desserts. Woohoo! To do so, go to sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch and fill in your details to receive your free ebook and discount voucher. That's www.sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch. So naughty but nice, delicious nutrition. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, and how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today we are talking to the absolutely gorgeous Rowena Jane, the real food yogi, who is a naturopath, yoga teacher, raw food chef, and author of the absolutely divine book, The Joy of Real Food. So welcome, Rowena. Hi. Thank you so much, Carrie, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure because we've actually been, uh, we've actually met in person, which was so much fun to meet you. And (laughs) I've even had a chance to eat your gorgeous food. (laughs) I had your raw carrot cake. And I remember saying to myself, I'll just have a little bit. (laughs) And when I tasted it, I'm like, I might just have a little bit more. (laughs) And just a little bit more. It was just (laughs) heavenly. So the best raw food carrot cake I've ever, ever, ever tasted. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So can you please tell the TAP listeners a bit about yourself and how, because you've got some amazing um, roles that you have in your life and of course you're, you know, at this beautiful book. So how did this all come about? How did we get, how did you get there? Oh gosh. Okay. So I guess, um, well, I moved to Sydney I moved to Sydney. I mean, I went moved to Sydney at school age at the end of school and um, studied performing arts. So I guess I was in that industry for a while, um, and you know, did a performing arts degree with an amazing, amazing man, David Atkins, who you know won Tony Awards and all kinds of things. So I studied with top, top people in in the, at that particular industry, and then I was in the industry for quite a long time, about ten years. But while I was in that industry. Um, you know, I was running all over the country and all over the world and doing amazing things. I was on Home and Away and I was wow. um, performing on the Midday Show. I performed in Sydney Opera House. So I was doing various things, children's shows, stand-up comedy, so many different things. It was amazing. And, you know, I was living my dreams, I guess, at the time. And then um, I started to struggle with an eating disorder. And I obviously I didn't realize that's what it was at the time. But I started to binge eat and I started to starve and binge and starve and binge. And just I just wasn't coping with emotions very well at all. And this f- sort of first started when I was overseas in Asia at the time. And um, I came back to Australia and I had a um, kidney disease. And then I healed from that um, by following a, a fit for life. And and I just I, I guess I just kept going in and out of this eating disorder and I really hit rock bottom at one point and I couldn't stand myself. I thought I was fat and ugly and, and just didn't really think that I was worth much at all and, you know, I, oh gosh, it was just that it was a really challenging time. I was struggling. Um, I, stopped, I stopped associating with people as much. I stopped going to auditions. I just sort of hide myself away in my house and um, no one really knew what was going on and so – 
that sort of went on for a very long time. And then I woke up one day and I had rheumatoid arthritis, which is a very aggressive inflammatory disease and it's caused by stress and inflammation. And, um, oh, so all of a sudden now I couldn't even have a career because I couldn't walk. And so then that obviously brought up even more stuff. And I was living in an apartment that was the top floor and there was no lift. So I was very isolated up there. And, you know, I just went on a real downhill spiral. And I guess I was trying to heal myself, but I didn't really know how. And um, I was seeing kinesiologists and counsellors and all kinds of people. But And it made a big difference, but it wasn't really helping my eating disorder. So my arthritis eventually, it would go up and down, up and down. It was a period where it went down enough to be able to start working again. So I did that. And then I ended up not that much much longer, I ended up in hospital with um, a bleeding colon. Wow. And, yeah, so I was in hospital. I was in so much pain. And then the doctors came to me the next morning. So I spent the whole night in hospital just in agony and they weren't giving me anything because they didn't want to give me anything in case I had to do any operations or anything like that. And so I had to wait the whole night and, and then the doctors came and then they did some tests and they said, we think you have Crohn's disease. And again, that's an aggressive inflammatory disease of the digestive system. So I literally switched off. I switched off what they were saying to me and I heard this voice in my head that, no, you don't have Crohn's disease. This is your wake-up call. You've got, to, you've got to change your life. You either stay on the path that you're on or you literally change your life. And I don't know, hearing that voice gave me so much hope. You know, after all these times of struggling, it was the first time that something just resonated with such authentic truth for ages and so I just, I just wanted to listen to it. And um, so I came out of hospital, long story short, I was literally, you know, walking down the street praying for praying for guidance of what the hell am I supposed to be doing with my life. I was in the entertainment industry. Obviously, clearly it wasn't making me happy because if it was making me happy, I wouldn't be in this state. And someone uh, called out my name and I turned around and looked around and there was nobody there. And then I heard that same voice from hospital say to look up. And so I looked up and there was this massive big sign on the top of a building and it said, um, it's a Bikram Yoga Lane Cove grand opening. And I just knew in that moment that I had to go. So I did my first yoga class. It was literally I, a sign. It was literally, <laughs> it was literally a sign. Oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I, I, yeah, so I went to the class and, I mean, I struggled. My knee was still swollen. I hadn't been able to do much for a very long time. And But there was this energy that I felt, this joy that I felt. I, I just felt more alive than I'd felt in a long, long, long time. And I remember coming home and I was so excited and all I wanted to eat was pumpkin. <laughs> and I'd been eating and binging on, on sugar and bread for so many years. And, uh, and yet I just came home and wanted to eat pumpkin. So obviously this, you know, this fantastic change and shift in just one class and then I just kept going as much as I could and I just fell in love with it and I wanted to do the training so kind of manifested the money for that and I ended up going to the training and it really went from there um you know I became a teacher and then I ended up working on the teacher training staff and then I studied Ayurvedic medicine and nutrition and naturopathy and I just kept studying more and more and more and the more I studied the more inspired I got and the more I just wanted to help other people and tell everyone about health and wellness and um Um, And I guess the book came about because actually prior to that time when I'd gone to hospital with the colon, bleeding colon, I'd actually picked up a book by Dr. Doreen Virtue and I picked up her book and in the moment I picked up the book in this bookshop, I had this sort of flash vision that I was supposed to, that I was going to be writing a book myself. So um, 
and that kind of went straight away, you know, had the vision bang flash, it was gone, I went back to life. And then five years after that, I was in USA in Minneapolis and I did a cleanse and I hadn't done a cleanse like that in a long time. And I did a cleanse and about day five or day three or whatever it was, I had this clear vision and knowing that I was supposed to write a book about my story, about my eating disorder and everything. And, and it was a cookbook as well. And so that was that sort of spurred me on to realize that I had to study more and I had to finish my you know my degrees and I had to become a raw food chef and just get some skills and qualifications so that I could back up the dishes that I was making etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, so it sort of came about like that and it took 12 years. <laughs> From that first vision that I had to the moment it came out it was 12 years. It was a lot of working on myself and stuff like that, you know. Um so yeah, now the book's out and I'm gosh life's completely changed so <laughs> you changed. so when you were sort of in that um healing stage mm-hmm. um what what made you persist you know I think that's one of the hardest things oh. that we experience is um and actually you and I were having a bit of a talk about it before yeah. um before the call was what do you think or what were you saying to yourself or what were you doing that gave you that persistence to keep going back to those classes and then to open yourself up to, okay, now I need to feed myself more mm-hmm. in terms of that information? Where do you think, what were you saying or what were you doing or how do you think that kept happening? I think I think I'd been in such a bad state. I just couldn't be in that state anymore, you know. It was this desperation to heal. And you know, it's a good question that you ask because I think a lot of people get the impression that, you know, one day you wake up, you snap your fingers and everything's rosy. Yes. <laughs> and and as you know, it's not like that. Life no. is a roller coaster. You know, you've got the it's it's like the, it's like the universal rhythms, you know, you've got low tide, you got high tide. We're the same. And so um, yeah, there was a lot of times where you were struggling, where I was struggling, and there's a lot of times when I doubt, well, what am I doing this for? Um, but I guess, you know, I, every day I did yoga, I felt good. And there was a period, I must admit, where I didn't do yoga for about three months. I just moved to Melbourne and I was feeling uncomfortable and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so I remember not going and sort of slipping back a little bit into my old patterns of emotional eating a little bit. And then somehow I just, you know, I was like, Rowena, you've got to go to your teacher training. You've got to get yourself back. And I just forced myself to go. And, of course, when you do exercise and when you do yoga, you feel amazing. I mean, it clears all the stuff in your mind. It gets you to that point of de-stressing, takes away all the toxins in your body. And, of course, you start feeling good. So I think for me the yoga was great. Once I really got on that path, I didn't want to not feel good. I felt good every time I went. So I just kept remembering that. And I guess that's changing the neural pathways and you start to change those whole patterns. Um, but yeah I guess it was just that desperation to heal it was a desperation to not feel the way that I'd felt for 10 years and I think there was a deep feeling inside of me that I was worth that I was here for a bigger reason and a bigger purpose and I think that first insight that I had had five years after becoming a teacher was that you know when I knew that I was supposed to write that book and and I think it just gave me a purpose you know I think when we've got purpose there's a drive, there's more drive, there's more fire in the belly. When we sort of don't really know where we're going, there is no drive. Um, and it's easier to slip back into your default. Yeah, it's yeah, easier to slip into yeah, bad habits yeah, or... Yeah, 
and surrounding yourself with people who have done and been on a journey similar and and come through the other side. You know, I remember I was working as a volunteer for Hay House. So I was around Deepak Chopra and I was around Wayne Dyer and I was around um, Doreen Virtue and I studied with her and, you know, um, who else was uh, Gordon Smith and these amazing, amazing people. And then through that, I met so many people who were like-minded and who'd been through their own struggles and were coming through and some people were where I was at and some people, you know, so I guess it's surrounding yourself with all these amazing people who are a support network as well, you know, and realizing that you're not alone and that we're all going through it together. Um, so I think those things were really, really positive for me and kept me going, you know. You've had some amazing experiences. Like, <laughs> I'm, I mean, for your age, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, I mean, wow, what a, a colourful experience <laughs> you've had. Like, that's, it sounds like you've had so much fun. But oh, I've had a blast. I mean, you know, I've had those moments that weren't a blast, but I've certainly had a blast. I've had an adventure, that's for sure. What did you do on Home and Away? Oh, it was just a piece on um, – I was a I was getting interviewed by a journalist. There was drugs in the school. It was just it was just a it wasn't a um it was a featured a featured role. Uh, so it wasn't like I was on there as a permanent <laughs> permanent <laughs> actor. It was just a featured role. So uh, yeah, there was drugs in the school, and I was at the back gate getting interviewed by a journalist. <laughs> that was Still, it. you can claim it. <laughs> oh god! And I remember they gave me the shortest uniform to. I couldn't even sit down, even when I wasn't on set. It was that short that I couldn't even sit down. So it was so embarrassing. <laughs> Crikey! It must have been because yeah. because you're 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 similarly vertically challenged as I am. <laughs> so, I know, so you can imagine. I don't know who was wearing that when I was a kid. I don't know who was wearing that before me. But oh my goodness! <laughs> I think that's a summer bay style. Was yeah. Don't <laughs> don't drop anything because you can't bend over and pick it up. Now I want to know more about yoga because mm-hmm. I have numerous yoga DVDs and I quite like Jessie Chapman's yoga. I got her my first Jessie Chapman from Byron Bay yoga DVD mm-hmm. free out of a newspaper wow. <laughs> a long time ago and I quite like it okay but you know where you know I, I I just don't do it I would love to commit to yoga more than I I do at the moment and I think I have a vast collection of yoga DVDs that just collect mm-hmm. dust if someone like me said to you radio I want to build yoga into my life mm-hmm. where would you suggest they start what should they do you mean just at home or you mean go to a studio or? Yeah, there's not – there. I think there is a couple of classes around, but probably both. Like I think going to a studio, mm-hmm. what type of yoga would you suggest they start with? Okay. Um, honestly, <laughs> this causes controversy. Yes. But, go ahead uh, anyway. But, you like but, controversy. But, okay, so the yoga – look, obviously I'm a Bikram teacher. I've studied yin as well. I've studied other styles as well. I lived in India. I opened a studio in India. So, you know, I studied a lot of yoga when I was there. But for somebody that's a beginner um, – you know, this, the Bikram yoga is fantastic. The thing that I love about the Bikram, and some people get turned off by it because it is in a heated room and things like that, um, you know, you can still do the postures not in a heated room if you're doing it yourself anyway. But um, the thing is, is that it's it's very it's very traditional, pure Hatha yoga. Um, there's three components that make Hatha yoga. Hatha yoga means it's the physical asanas, which is, you know, so there's different lem, limbs and levels to yoga. And the first level is the, is the Hatha, which is the physical. So you're using the physical clear 
clear the body and clear the mind to get to the next states. You know, so example, if you've cleared the body and mind, you're going to meditate far more effectively than you would if you sat down to try to meditate and you haven't actually cleared and purified the body. So that's the principle sort of behind it. Um, and so there's the three components, you know, you've got um, posture done in stillness is traditional Hatha yoga. And now we've got all these vinyasanas and all these different styles that are being created. But a traditional posture is going to be held in stillness and then control of the breath is massive. If we don't have oxygen, well, we can't even get nutrition to the cells and, you know, the heart can't pump blood, um, um, can't pump, pump the blood and nutrition and oxygen and everything's through to the body. Um, and then the other thing is liberal use of savasana, which is what we call dead po- dead body pose, where you just lie on the back and um, have your palms facing the ceiling and you're just lying there. Um, so you've got to have all those three components really to be able to get an effective therapy. Um, so that's where I, say, I would say the Bikram yoga because it is, it's it's accessible to everybody. You know, nobody, some people can't even balance on their one foot yet then they're trying to go upside down and do handstands and headstands, mm. yeah. you know, and they don't really have the understanding of, of their body yet, you you know, they haven't really gained body awareness, whereas that's where the Bikram's great because it's beginning postures that are accessible to people of all walks of life. I mean, I've taught people that are in wheelchairs. You can't take someone off the street and go do, do a vinyasana class with somebody like that. You can put someone, when you're doing static postures, in a chair and they can still do some of the stuff in the chair or sitting down. You know, it's just accessible to, to the basic beginner. And now, obviously, if people aren't accessible to a Bikram yoga studio, there's the issue. Um, but... There are there are CDs and there are videos available and things like that that you can do. Um, but, yeah, just starting small. And I think, you know, we see these fancy, pantsy postures on Instagram and all that and there's that bit of a, a bit of an envy. I want to be able to do that. And obviously I can do a lot of those things now myself, but when I first started there was no way. I mean, I had rheumatoid arthritis. I had swelling in my knee. I could barely even bend my knee. Um, and so, you know, I think it's that it's that – we, we the, you know, all that glitters isn't gold. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I've seen you do shiny... a posture. I've seen you <laughs> do that amazing posture where you does it have a name? The one where you stand on one foot, and then you raised your other leg up. To... Oh, standing bow. Is that the one I did for Karen when? Yeah, Karen yeah, yeah. On stage. Yes, yeah, and she just, just, yeah, I think she just bow. sprang it on you where you're like, do <laughs> a pose. I mean, three it days. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But, you know, but I mean, it's not even about that. I guess the biggest thing with yoga is that it's, you know, as as Bikram used to always say, and this is Iyengar speaks about the same sort of thing. Iyengar is another pioneer of yoga from India, very, very respected man who passed away last year. Um, but they all say the same thing in their books. You know, all these people that actually come from these traditional lineages, which a lot of people don't realise Bikram yoga does. You know, Yogananda, whose movie just came out actually, but Yogananda he's, comes from the lineage. And it, 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 there's a whole lineage in India with, with Iyengar and, and Patabi Joyce, which is the um, Ashtanga yoga as well. But... Um, yeah, basically the object of the yoga is the person, not the posture. And I think that's where people fall down. They think, I can't do yoga, I'm not flexible. Oh, I know, you know, um, oh, no, but I can't do that because I can't do that and all the things that we that we doubt ourselves about. But the object is yourself. So if you're just doing a posture and you're doing it in the correct technique, 
whether you're deep in that posture or not. So the standing bow, yeah, as you know, I can do the full split straight away. But if you're just some people, literally their yoga is to be able to just bring their hand around and hold onto their ankle. And that they've got tightness in their shoulders, they've got tightness in the joints and the elbows. And for them, their yoga, it's helping them, it's healing them, it's starting to open up the body, just holding the foot. And then it goes from there. And obviously when you're doing the postures where you're compressing, extending, which is what happens, we compress and hold a posture and it stops the blood supply to the air. It stops anything getting through. And then when we're released from the posture, it's like a dam effect. We've lifted up the gate and then it shunts through oxygen, nutrition. It clears anything there, calcification, anything that's that's stagnant, that's been stagnant in the area. So if you think about it and understand it from that level, then you know that it actually doesn't matter whether you can do the full splits or not. The fact is you've just started to get that therapy through the body and that's why it's so profound when you're just doing those traditional basic, you know, half the postures rather than all this other flow stuff where you're not really getting that chance to do a a still posture. Okay, so that's really good. So it means that, um, like you're saying, it's not about how clever you are doing that pose. Yeah. The point is probably to have a go and and start to build up some, some... a relationship with you in yes. the yoga kind yes. of thing rather than yes. perfection yes. and poses. Yes, yes exactly because you're the object. <laughs> the objective is, is you and what it's doing to you and healing and working your organ systems and getting blood supply through the body and getting nutrition through the body and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, yes. <laughs> so what have you learned about people through teaching them yoga and, and naturopathy principles and food? What have you learned about other oh people? Oh, God, so much, you know. Um it's, oh, you know, I guess I, I have learned, number one thing I've learned is how resilient we are as human beings, that's for sure. Um, you know, fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up. But I guess I've learned, um, you know, I've learned that we're all pretty amazing individual beings and, and I think that a lot of people don't live in that potential of realising that. I think that we live in these fear states, you know, fear being every single emotion other than love, you know, um, but we live in these fear states and these false belief systems about ourselves and so I think we live as completely limited beings and a lot of people are really afraid to step forward into their true unlimited potentials and I think, you know, as human beings we are unlimited. There is no, you know, we're the ones that hold ourselves back. Um, and so we said, we, I think we tend to build walls up around ourselves to protect ourselves. And, you know, as, as a result, we tend to lose our spontaneous, open, loving, you know, non-constricted selves, which is quite ironic. I think we spend, um, we spend, we spend most of our lives building up these walls and then, then something happens in our lives to then make us change. Like, for example, I got sick. And then all of a sudden we're spending the rest of our lives taking down these walls to come back to the true self. You know, I think it's we're quite crazy as human beings. But as we start doing that, you know, those people that are prepared to go on that journey back to themselves, I mean, I think it's a pretty empowering, amazing journey. I mean, we're all... I guess I like to think of it as we're, you know, we're gems. It's We're a precious gem and what we're doing is stripping away and breaking away at all the stuff that's stopping us seeing that gem and we're digging and digging through the earth to find it and then we start polishing it and cleaning it and, you know, I think until it sparkles and then, you know, as Mary Ann Williamson says, you know, we start to allow our light to shine, which is what we're doing when we're stripping away these walls layer by layer and then we give permission for everyone else to do the same. Um, and, of course, it doesn't make sense for us to 
you know, cake it up in dirt again and bury right, it. No, but we you do, know, you know. We do, crazy. we do, yes. Crazy. And I think that's half the reason. I think that's what I've learned. I've learned a lot about the human nature and the, and the fact that, you know, people sometimes are awful to us and we're awful to other people sometimes and we do these things that are pretty horrible. And at the end of the day, we've all got these beautiful big hearts and we want the world to be a better place, but we're suffering in ourselves. And I think until we work on ourselves and um, start creating that relationship with ourselves first and really start to like ourselves and love ourselves, as much as that sounds like a cliche, you know, when we're happy, we're going to treat people happily, you know, better. And when, you know, when we're not happy, we treat people pretty horribly. So, yeah. So I think that's what I've learned about humans, you know. We've, we're a pretty crazy bunch. But, <laughs> but there's so much amazing potential inside of us. And if we've got the courage to go there and start digging away and finding that, man, imagine the, imagine the world we could create. Oh, <laughs> Yes, amazing. So what about you? It sounds like you've been on an amazing ride so far and I'm sure there's many more exciting things to come what have you learned about yourself through what have experience? I learned how how long have we got <laughs> <laughs> no, oh look I think I mean I think I think the learning curve of the self is really never ending you know um and I think I, I honestly think if you're not growing and learning and stretching then you're kind of dead really what's the point being here um but I guess if I have to break it down um I guess something that I've learned about myself is that I'm a, I'm a pretty strong and empowered, amazing woman, um, which everyone you sure is. are. And, you definitely uh, are that. You know, I mean, I used to hate myself. Like, you know, I used to hate myself. And as I said earlier, I used to think that I wasn't worthy and I was ugly and I was fat and I wasn't good enough. And, um, you know, I mean, at, the, at an early age in my life, my, my birth father left my life. And I think, you know, I wrote in my book that I spent a greater portion of my life feeling um, and believing deeply that, you know, if my own father doesn't love me, then who the hell else will? And um, so I think I've learnt to learnt to create this whole new relationship with myself and learnt, learnt that I am am worthy and I am um worthy of being accepted and I am amazing and just like everybody else is and um and I think the biggest thing I've learned too is from that from having that and given my I really gave my father a lot of power for many many years him leaving my life dictating that I wasn't good enough dictating how I should feel about myself you know and I guess I've learned to accept myself and not actually worry so much what other people think you know um and, you know, I mean, look, some people see – I'm a very passionate being, as you know, and some people see that as negative and say, oh, my God, she's just so intense. Other people see that as so inspiring that she's got – you know, you've got so much passion and some people hear my high energy and they think, oh, she's just hyperactive and they tell me you need to you need to ground yourself, you're too hyperactive. And other people are like, oh, my God, I love your energy, your pocket rocket. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks about this. That's the biggest thing I've learned. You know, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. What someone else thinks of me is not my business. <laughs> and yes. if I keep making it my business, then I'm dictating and giving someone else the power to dictate how happy I am. And if you look at the yogic traditions and the Buddhist, Buddhist traditions even, um, and their philosophies are that you should be able to be happy no matter what's going on around you. And that's a big lesson in, you know, in our yoga teaching is that no matter what's going on, if you're letting it steal your peace, then you're not, you know, you're giving your power away. So I think that's probably the biggest lesson I reckon I've learned is that, you know, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what other people think. It's about what I think. And I am unique. There's only one Carrie. There's only one Rowena. So you know what? It doesn't matter at the end of the day. <laughs> You're amazing. So <laughs> tell me what, um, I mean, obviously, you're very much into your roof. I'm I'm losing my voice even through this call. I'm just fresh from the Wellness Summit and I did an awful lot of talking at the Wellness Summit. So tell me, what would be three 
rituals or tips that you would give to people um, that or things that you do in each day to keep yourself grounded and focused and balanced? Okay, okay. Well, obviously yoga is a big one. Um, and usually when I do yoga, then I follow that by a meditation, even if it's just a one minute or five minute meditation, sometimes it might be a shatali breathing or just a breathing exercise where I'm just focusing on the breath, um, you know, going in and out, um, focusing on, um, energy light coming through my feet or through my hands and through my head. I do various different types of meditations, sometimes chakra meditations, but sometimes I'm, you know, rushed and I've got to get somewhere else and it's just a five minute, um, but so yoga is a big number one. Um, another thing that I do personally is I do a chant. It's a Buddhist chant, um, which is Nam Renge Kyo, and that means I honor the mystic law of cause and effect. So basically, what you're doing with this is that you know the Buddhists believe that you're the Buddha within, and so when you chant for yourself and you're chanting to actually tap into that Buddha within, um, I just find that it switches me off. It um, puts me into a position where you know we tend to in our lives walk around worrying about everything, worrying about the future, worrying about the past and we sort of miss the present and I think the chant for me keeps me in that present moment and what you do is you chant for solutions. For example, if I'm going through a challenge in my life or there's somebody in my life that's frustrating me or I'm not getting along with or whatever, I'll chant for their happiness and I'll chant for a solution. Um, you know, if it's something I'm not quite sure about, I'll chant for that. So that's sort of how that keeps you in the moment. So then instead of chanting for the negative, I mean, instead of spending your life thinking and worrying about and worrying about and worrying about and as we know what we keep thinking about we manifest so then we're wearing you know chanting for these solutions so then it manifests so that's something that I do that's really personal for me but the other thing that I think a lot of people can do even just for grounding that I do every day is just get outside and I take my shoes off and I stand on the earth yes. for even one minute to five minutes and you know it's kind of a big uh, hoo-ha thing now it's a bit of a trend now it's called grounding or earthing but really these are just basic rituals in that were in Ayurvedic medicine you know oil pulling all these same rituals I guess they're all the same but um yeah walking on the grass it just puts you into that earth and grounds you yeah so that's nice. and that's something that anyone can do you know you can be an office worker or you can be a corporate you know CEO and you can still go outside on your lunch break and take your shoes off and just stand there even if it's one minute even if you're on the phone and you have to take a call you're on the ground, you know, just little things and just obviously being out in nature is massive, massive. Well, I, I just did that in Melbourne. I walked out. Oh, I, was at, I was at the convention centre for two straight days and I came out of that, you know, just so excited but really felt felt that I had been inside, which I had been, for like two or three straight days. So after the summit was over, I packed up my bits and pieces and I walked outside of the convention centre just near the river there Yeah. and put all my stuff on the ground, took my shoes off and just stood there. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know if anyone walked past, they would have seen me sort of all kitted out in my presenting gear, but no shoes on. So. Who cares? It feels so amazing though. Just stand, it you just nice. go, it's like that, oh, that's what I needed, isn't it? That's the feeling. Yes. And I think David Wolf, I, I, I could be, I mean, hopefully I'm not wrong in what I remember, but I remember when David Wolf was here two, week, two years ago, he was talking about grounding and he was talking, I'm pretty sure he was saying that there's research around it saying that it reduces inflammation in the body, just standing and earthing yourself and putting yourself, your feet on the ground. Yeah, I have heard sure. that too, something about yeah. you know, yeah. positive and negative charges and yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, how can people find you and your beautiful book? You know, what's the best way to track you down? 
Okay, so probably the easiest way is on my website, um, www.rowenajane.com. That's Rowena, R-O-W-E-N-A, and Jane, J-A-Y-N-E.com. Um, I do have my book. If you're in Australia, you can get an autographed copy of my book from my website. There's also a link to my publisher. There's also a link, I think, to Amazon. Um, but my book's on Booktopia, Barnes & Nobles, Dimmicks, all the major channels, and then, you know, certain stores like Ray's Organics and a whole bunch of other um, – fruit shops and and health food stores and whatnot sell them as well um and then on my website you'll see all my links to my social media as well so that's probably the easiest way for people to find me and then you'll see all my all the other things that I do my workshops my um my online programs and all the fun fun things that I get to do (laughs) oh it's amazing and I've so enjoyed I mean you you are I can trust me Tech listeners, this woman is very passionate and inspirational and just an absolutely, I want to say ball of energy, but you're so much more sophisticated than a ball. You know, you're, you're amazing. I'll have to think of another word and email you what I, what word right. I mean. But thank I you. I offence to that. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Rowena. And I've loved having you, the tap listener, with us too today. Please spread the word and tell your friends to listen to and subscribe to Tap in iTunes. And don't forget to give the show a five-star rating if you liked it. For more information about events and programs, please visit carriethompsoncasey.com. And you know that we've got the workshop series coming up for Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. We've got the Resilience for the Anxious Mind and Body, which is for anybody to come along. But even if you've got mild to moderate anxiety, we talk about strategies as well as the events for health professionals health professionals on how to create change in your clients. So please visit Carrie Thompson Casey for more information on those events. So thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.